Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by actor Ethan Peck, who portrays Spock on Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds. The marvelous thing about Star Trek is that it puts you back into growth and you learn about science. And sitting in for Rachel today is our revolving guest host, Claire Kramer. Hello, Trent. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Welcome back. We missed you. Well, I missed you guys, too. <laughs> and for our guest today, we have the fabulous Joey Clift, who, of course, you guys know is a comedian, a TV writer, and he's currently writing on Spirit Rangers for Netflix. Welcome, Joey. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm very flattered to be on the show. I really hope that in the spirit of Star Trek that you brought me in with a transporter sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that, that quote's so cool. I think that that's spot on into, uh, you know, all the things that are great about Star Trek. I mean, uh, like, as we all know, um, oftentimes scientific discovery and scientific, um, you know, scientific movement comes from, you know, uh, inspirations by fiction and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like even just in like our modern society, like 100%, the guy that created the smartphone took the Star Trek tricorder as his like base, like hey, this should be real. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he made it happen, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the interesting thing. And we've talked about this before is especially in next gen, there's so many things like the transporter, the pad, the, you know, the devices that they use in the show that them come to fruition, you know, centuries later. So it's really, it's really interesting or decades, I should say, not centuries. Centuries would be really looking far ahead. Maybe we'll have transporters <laughs> yeah. by then. Yeah. <laughs> uh and like most science fiction, the viewer is given entertainment. That is, whether consciously or not, it provides some semblance of scientific learning. So even if the science is invented, it's still entertaining and you're kind of accidentally learning something, which I think is really great about sci-fi. I, I feel like with Gene Roddenberry, what I appreciate about him as like a, you know, a writer and a, a, a creator of things mm -hmm. and a storyteller is that like he was so forward thinking in that I feel like in the back of his mind, he was just like, Man, I really wish that we that I could just make food appear without going to the store. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50 years later, 60 years later, 70 years later, we have 3D printers that can print meat. You know, like it's just 100 percent him being like, oh, I'm going to do humanity a solid with this one. Yeah. 3D printers blow my mind, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I need to physically experience printing something 3D to fully wrap my head around what the final product is. 
my friend has one and he's obsessed with it. But anyway, back to the quote, you know what stands out for me? Okay. The marvelous thing about Star Trek is it puts you back into growth. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that to me is Gene is really speaking to the fact that humanity or society or our cultures have a tendency to become complacent and stagnant. Mm -hmm. And this show was an attempt to pull people out of that sort of complacency and not just to push them into science, but to push them into forward thinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. think about the time, I, I think this quote was in the 80s, but TOS was in the late 60s. You know, look at what you had culturally going on during that time. The civil rights movement, you know, into the 70s, the women's right movement, the whole, you know, Roe versus Wade, all these all these different political movements and important, um, I just important things that needed to happen with our culture. And that is what this quote is sort of saying to me is like, no, you can't just sit back and wait for others to initiate growth and initiate forward thought and initiate new science. You Mm -hmm. have to be the one who's willing to jump in and create and move progressively, I guess. I don't know. What do you think, Trent? Well, you know, we've seen over time that there have been periods of growth depending on whatever's happening in the culture at the time. Uh, post-war, we have like industrial things happening, like the the war machine ends up leading into the growth of the economy, which is terrible. And what's great about this quote, again, is that we've spoken previously about how Gene lovingly, I think, spoke about humanity as still being immature, as still being young, mm-hmm. um, as we are now or as we were when he created Star Trek. But when we look to the future, humanity was able to grow to mature enough to finally, again, we mentioned, put aside our petty squabbles here on this planet, venture into space and um, see the growth that's out there with new civilizations and new worlds. But I, I think that what's so great about, you know, things like Star Trek and a lot of uh, Gene's work is that like, you're basically just creating templates for progress in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, in terms of science and things like that. But also, like you mentioned earlier, things like equality, like in the 60s, having mm-hmm. like a, a crew, like a very diverse uh, in terms of, you know, uh, like race, but also perspective. Um, that was definitely something that was like revolutionary for the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it like normalized it. So now, you know, I mean, like we're not all the way there. But as far as like diversity, equity and inclusion, this is definitely something that like is on the top of people's minds, you know. 70 years later mm-hmm. I'm, I'm bad with math i'm not a scientist i'm a comedy writer but, you know, <laughs> well i've mixed up centuries uh, you know, and decades so you're good joey <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so um since we're talking about growth in science my question is how far do y'all think we are from tribbles tribbles are very cute <laughs> do we think that we're gonna have tribbles pretty soon is that a decade from now is that 50 years from now what do you think i mean honestly i, I think tribbles are out there or something very similar <laughs> to tribbles are out there like we have this mentality here on earth that we are the only sentient beings and we are a speck on a speck in the vastness of the universe. So I absolutely believe that there is alien life, that are, that there's sentient life out there, not even in the universe, like in our galaxy, you know, like just in, out in space. So I, I would argue that tribbles exist somewhere or at least something that would we would recognize as tribble-like. Look, I just hope that I know that like there's definitely intelligent life out there. I hope that we find some intelligent life that it is cute, cuddly and fluffy as a tribble. I just want to pet something from space. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't do the traditional like alien things we've heard about probes and whatnot. (laughs) 
I'm good without the probing. Like I'm definitely okay without that part of the extraterrestrial experience. Look, if it's cute and cuddly, I'm cool with a little probing. Just a little. <laughs> Depends on how cute it That's is. That's a very personal thing. Okay, so I want to draw, I, I draw us back to the quote one more time because I just am looking at it and I noticed one more. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about advancing as a society because he really separates the two things. It puts you back into growth, mm-hmm. comma, and you learn about science. So what do you think the thought process was with Gene for using science and technology as a background to discuss social issues and even science fiction, you know, with that suspension of disbelief, which we have also talked about before, you know, could this same story have been told like golden girls or like, you know, Mm. in on earth in a, in a community? I don't think so. I think you had to have that, suspension of disbelief, right? You know, when you base a story around science or with scientists, you know, uh, Picard was an archaeologist. Uh, Benjamin Sisko was an engineer. Uh, Captain Janeway was a scientist and mathematician. When you tell a story that's built around science, science is never, you know, finished. It's not determined. There's always something new. We're always learning new things. So just by the the narrative itself being sci-fi or being science-based, implies that there is more there. It, it allows room to grow. It allows uh, an environment where, you know, we, we, we you know, when, I remember when, uh, when Voyager launched and uh, Captain Janeway was the first female captain of a starship. Like, that was a big deal. That was like in the 90s. That was when the world was still first learning about Hillary Clinton as our first lady and how ambitious and powerful and smart and intelligent she was. Uh, you know, and it kind of fit with that time. And I feel like, you know, when you're telling a science story, there's room for growth and it allows, you know, the the parameters of what we think are normal to be expanded upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, I mean, this speaks to like the, the strength of Gene as like a, you know, a, a writer and a creator is like, yeah, like if this story took place in, you know, modern day 1960s, it would definitely have like been seen as like, you know, on some level unbelievable Mm -hmm. that, you know, there are people that are equal, you Mm -hmm. know, all working, you know, the same jobs and Mm -hmm. positions of power from different races and stuff like that. But if you put it in space, it's just sort of like, oh, I picture in in space that's maybe a thing. It's like, you know, there's definitely a far off distant future where people are equal. Well, and that's what makes the quote sort of like circular is like, it's about science in space, but it's about humanity and Mm -hmm. relationships Mm -hmm. and equality, but it's about science and space, you know, and it really draws the viewer back to acknowledging those relationships in the real world and not just as something on screen. You know what I mean? By the way, Joey, when you mentioned, you know, the triples and the space and going out there, (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember this or have heard of this, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson wrote this great article, I think it was last year, making the argument for if we do actually live in a simulation, you know, and Mm, his article was like, yeah, there's about a 50, 50 percent chance we actually do live in a simulation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to take advanced AI technology to actually pin that down one day. But I just thought that was it's such a crazy concept. Mm -hmm. Again, almost hard to wrap your mind around. But something like, you know, when we talk about going into space that you have to consider, I guess. 
it's interesting because philosophers have been talking about that for centuries about are we in a dream a dream of a dream are you know will someone wake up and our entire reality could go away like that reminds me of that kind of thinking it, it's very you know christopher nolan in inception mm. mm-hmm. which is what makes that one of my like my top five movies <laughs> Yeah, uh, my answer to that is I don't know, maybe I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> like, look, nothing, nothing. Can you write would that into your new point. show, <laughs> Joey? <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to be surprised, but it it is also it's like every, anything is possible. You know, anything is possible. Is it though? Well, for sure, it is. When you're talking about like um, like the imagination, and we spoke earlier about Gene created the this story about exploration with these characters, and it grew into this massive franchise that will out live us all anything's possible we've seen that anything's possible even the things that he that he wrote about that were fiction at the time have become reality well yeah and you could definitely look at like the concept of are, are we currently living in a, in a simulation maybe maybe not but like with ai you know leaps in ai and leaps in vr like there's definitely a world where 100 years from now we could be living in a simulation and then it's sort of like by suppositing that um philosophical you know, quandary into the universe, you've made it a reality. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Isn't that kind of like what the Matrix did? You know, it's set yeah. in the future, but it, they think they're in the present. Uh-huh. And it's and it's all they're plugged into machines dreaming. I know. It's crazy. That's where it gets really, you know, hard to open your mind to to the reality. We say anything's possible, but if you really try to wrap your head around that, it's like black holes and time warps, you know, mm. when you read Stephen Hawking's, you're like, oh yeah, that's possible. But then when you actually take the emotional side of your brain and separate it from the logical side and you emotionally try to connect and think about those theories and facts that they could be facts, it's crazy. It's mind blowing. Mind blowing. Well, one thing I just want to tag on to, uh, I, I know that we're not currently in the Matrix because none of us are wearing skin tight, flattering leather jackets right now. Right. <laughs> I don't have that cool Neo sweater that, that he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like if I, I look in the mirror and I'm wearing sunglasses, yeah, yeah, we're just wearing T-shirts like normal non-Matrix jerks. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Joey, thank you so much for joining us today. We are very excited. We have you all week. So we have some great conversations coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you, Joey. And if you would like to see any of the quotes that our Star Trek friends and fans have been reading, you can check them out on the Roddenberry social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.